This is episode number 239 of the Rising Man podcast with Preston Smiles. There are no shortcuts on the hard and treacherous road to strength and wisdom. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me here today. This is Jetty Azuma here hosting another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before I introduce my guest today, I'm putting out an early call to all of you men who want to come out and join us for a four-day solo wilderness fast rite of passage. It's called Compass, if you don't know by now. We've got a group going out end of October, October 20th to the 28th, and these spots are filling up fast. If you want to come out and fast before the end of the year, go to risingman.org slash compass and apply today. Okay, my guest today is a man that I think many of you know, but he hasn't been back on the podcast in over five years. My brother Preston Smiles coming in for a second round of the Rising Man podcast. Preston is a transformational leader and influencer who focuses on personal wellness and positivity. His mission is to mentor others in loving themselves and to experience a life of fulfillment and freedom. He's a renowned author, speaker, and mentor to many people across the world, though his greatest joy is being a devoted husband and father. In this episode, Preston and I jumped back into our conversation about what it means to be a man after five years since the last time we jumped in, and four children later. Preston shared how his views on manhood have changed and how they haven't changed since becoming a father. We discussed the power of humility and radical ownership, how trust can be built when we keep our word and when we break it. Preston emphasized the importance of practice and how years of consistent practice cannot be hacked or shortcut. We also dove deep into Preston's compass journey and all he was able to extract from four days of solo fasting in the wilderness with us recently, right here in Texas. Lastly, Preston issued a strong invitation and a challenge to the men who have yet to be initiated and experienced the full power and wisdom of the forest. Without further ado, Preston Smiles. All right, Preston Smiles, my bro. Five years since you've been on the podcast, coming in hot, Austin, Texas. How you feeling, man? Shots fired, fired shots. Let's freaking go. <laughs> Bro, That's I gotta, how I'm feeling. <laughs> I think that was the same entrance. That was the same entrance you made when we did the podcast five years ago. I love that some things don't change about you, man. Um, still calling me Jedediah, the fourth, fifth, twelfth, first of his name. Um Man, I I want to drop right in because last time you were on the show here, Kingston was like brand new. You were a father for the first time. And I wanted to ask you, because I always ask, what does it mean to be a man? Does that question, mm -hmm. do you answer that question differently now, five years later? Mm. To be a man. Um, yes. Yes and no, right? Because if you ask me, what does it mean to be a father? I'm going to give you a, a whole anthology. Right? We'll get there. And all of it could be summed up in um, the phrase, uh, do the work, right? Do the work. For me, what it means to be a man is to uh, be willing to face off with that which my wounded ego does not want me to face off with. To me, what it means to be a man is to re-enter rooms when I emotionally and physically leave them. What it means to be a man is to lean in and speak and listen from the lens of love. 
and what it means to be a man from where I sit, and you and I just got out of Fight Club, is knowing how to protect oneself, not to or for the purpose of harming another, but for the purpose of um, being in integrity for that in being in integrity with that which we say we care about the most. So I train and fight not because I want to get into a street fight sometime. Right? If I could avoid that for the rest of my life, fantastic. And I care about this life. I care about my kids having a dad. I care about being able to defend and support, let's say, uh, a woman who's been beat up right, in front of me. I don't want to go into freeze and not be able to show up because I wasn't training or prepared for the moment. So that's some of what it means to be a man from where I sit. Yeah, the word that jumped out to me was preparation. And I know that mm -hmm. before I became a father, all the dads around me said, listen, man, there's no way you're going to be fully prepared to be a dad. And I don't think you're ever fully prepared for anything. So when I hear you talk about being a man is doing the work, I also think I see a lot of guys who take on huge responsibilities, such as getting married, having children, mm -hmm. and then get lost in just the day to day and stop doing the quote unquote work. They stop preparing anymore because they're already yes. in the game. So what does that look like for you, especially since you guys have multiplied quite a bit in five years? Yeah, we, you know, four kids, one wife, five businesses, <laughs> and my own mental health. There's there's a lot there. Right? I have about 25 people that I take care of every single month and make sure that their uh, mortgages and food and all that stuff is taken care of. And so uh, circling back, for me, I was just coaching someone in one of my one-on-one -on -one containers, and I was explaining to him the difference between making your practices the center of your life versus the circumference of your life. And when our practices are the circumference, that means when I feel like it, when the stars align, when it's sunny out, when I'm, you know, X, Y, and Z, then I'll do my practices. That's that type of life is um not wrong or bad, but not conducive to that which many of us say we want, right? A lot of us say we want big lives, but we're not prepared for big challenges. And success occurs when preparation meets opportunity. Well, okay, what does preparation look like? Well, for every man, it's going to be slightly different, but you know what practices you know what things that you can do to put you in game time scenario so that when game time hits, you keep your cool, right? You keep your wits about you, knowing that you can't beat your biology, right? We're all going to go into fight, flight, freeze, and appease, uh, especially because we have the, the negativity bias based on our ancestors and the fears of saber-toothed tigers and things of that nature. So we know we have a negativity bias. We know that we can't beat our biology and that we're going to go into some state, right? The question is, is are you practiced enough to notice that recenter, check in with what you're truly committed to and reconfigure that which you're experiencing so you have more space, more uh, opportunity to make a different choice, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all conscious choice makers. Um, 
at least that's the goal. I think of the metaphor of, uh, I, usually it happens in my dreams. I still have nightmares about the final exam that I didn't study for, like the class that I haven't gone to for an entire semester. I'm like, what the fuck? How did I skip all this shit? And that feeling <laughs> of showing up to a test unprepared, yes. like, oh yes. shit, I didn't even read. I didn't do anything to prepare myself for this. And now this is here. I don't think there's a worse feeling in the world than having that feeling come up in real life. When I reach a challenge in my relationship with my partner, or I reach a challenge in my uh, fathering my children. And uh, yep. I, th I think that's where the line is for men to, yep. to enroll themselves in doing that work. Cause there are, there, yep. life is busy, man. And it's hard. There's so much shit going on, especially when you get into marriage, relationship, parenting. There's so many reasons why not to continue doing yep. that work, like you said. And yet, yeah, it's all going to come back and, and there's going to be a reckoning. Let me say this. Um, that's going to happen to all of us. Everybody gets caught with their pants down, right? Mm -hmm. I think where the distinction between somebody who's living an extraordinary life and somebody who's living an ordinary life of quiet desperation, even if they have all the things, is not whether they get they caught with their pants down. It's what happens next. Mm. And for me, you know, in my 43 years on this tr planet, what I've come to understand is one of the biggest and most um, abundant moves I can make when I do get caught unprepared is to ask for help. And I think so many men don't do that. We've been so programmed and conditioned to fall on our sword and to go into the martyr space or, or reattach to the identity of the fuck up or the one who's, you know, constantly sabotaging that we don't lean on friends. We don't lean on family. We don't lean on people who actually can hold us. And to me, you know, the last time we did this, not that money is a, is a gauge, right? Um, it is one way that we can measure success, one of many. But the last time we had this podcast, I was probably making about $300,000 a year, right? Since then, I've almost 10x that, right? There's been so many uh, opportunities and things I've stepped into. And one of the biggest pieces is environment and willingness to receive support and ask for it. Right. When people ask me about like, how'd you go from there to there? I always say the same things, right? The seed contains the blueprint for the entire tree, right? Everything that it needs to become an oak tree is inside of that seed. And that's us. What matters is where that seed is planted and how, like, you know, what kind of soil it's in and how that soil is treated, right? And for me, planting myself in soil that is rich supported me and my blueprint in becoming the biggest tree that I possibly can. I'm still in process, but the principles was actually making sure that my seed was in the right soil, soil that, that was conducive and based on what I wanted in my life. Right? I didn't have to have the exact same thing, but like, yo, you got pieces of what I want. So I'm going to go plant my seed in your space and let it germinate and let it grow in the darkness and ask for help when I don't know what I'm doing. Right? People have come to me multiple times and they're like, yo, I just want to acknowledge you for even stepping into the vision fasting with Compass and Jetty 
because guys like you at this level never do stuff like that because they don't want to have their egos look stupid or X, Y, and Z. And I was like, yeah, I get that. But then those guys never really level up. It's just, it's just a, a facade, right? And yeah. anybody with real eyes can see straight through it. And so for me, my, my, my work is about humbling myself and understanding that, yeah, I got, I got some, some of the pieces to the puzzle like locked, but there's a million more I don't. And how I get those is by asking for help and learning from people like you. Yeah, man. And we'll get to your experience out on the fast in a moment. I want to zero in on that piece. You were talking about asking for help. I mean, obviously, we're, we're bo- we both find ourselves in places where people have the opportunity to be vulnerable, to take off their mask, to reveal their deepest layers. And the, the irony is that when men especially do that in a circle of other men, it's one of the most enrolling things in the world. A man who can humble himself and say, I- I'm lost. I don't know exactly which way is up right now. Not sure where to go. It it sucks people closer to the center of the room. Whereas the opposite, yes. when a man is keeping his guard up and hiding what he doesn't want to say and concealing what doesn't want to be revealed, it, it's, it, it produces the opposite effect. He thinks that he's saving face, but really the most captivating thing is actually watching a man who has the the strength to say, I don't know. And I try mm. to t- I try to say this to men all the time because you see it. You see guys hide out. I've done it before myself too. But the, you know, like I said, the the most enrolling thing is seeing somebody who's willing to strip it down and say, hey, yep. I don't know. And and oftentimes that's the yep. hardest first step to take. Mm. So much, right? Because our, our ego identity is so wrapped up in it. And the inner critic will talk us out of it. And oftentimes, you know, the identities that all of us play out, right? Whether it's the good boy or the, the, the perfectionist, the overachiever, the fuck up, the, um, the lone wolf, whatever identities you've attached to, those things kept you safe um, in childhood. The problem is, is that most people have worn them so long that they now don't know who they are without them. And when faced with an opportunity to step around or crack part of that uh, mask, it can be challenging for people, right? So um, cognitive dissonance um, steps in and we just keep seeing, you know, uh, problems in when there's solutions trying to be put forward, right? There's, we, we block and sabotage what's possible because it's so challenging to be naked and vulnerable like that. And it's really just practice, right? All of this goes back to what we started with. Whatever we practice more of, we get more of. And so a willingness to do the work is this, right? Outing oneself. You and I um, did uh, the Art of Leadership Mastery. What was that like 10 years ago? 2015. Um, nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Not eight. And uh, I forget the guy's name whose quote this is. You, you'll know it. Um, you can't intervene in a world you can't see. Yeah. Fernando Flores. Right? Fernando Flores. Right. You can't intervene in a world you truly cannot see. And most of us have been so bamboozled and caught in the illusion of you know the safety of the mask 
that it's hard to actually transform into that which we desire because we can't really see ourselves, which is why we need other people. We need the reflections. We need the mirrors. We need strong men saying, hey, I hear you, bro. And tell your face, right? Tell your energy body. I get what you're presenting to me. I get that you have all the stuff, but it looks weak, right? This is, you're, you're peacocking right now, but there's no, there's no surface. There's no strength behind it. There's no thump under that. And I think to me, truly, because of Instagram and, and, and no hate towards Instagram, but it's become easier to peacock. Um, and I think that a lot of people are starting to get the drift and be able to see through that, see through the difference between a, a good marketer and somebody who's actually living and doing the work that they say they are. And, uh, you know, that's a, a pretty epic thing. And in my opinion, for people like you and I, um, who may not be as polished as some of the others, but live in the work at least, you know, and, and that doesn't mean we're not falling and failing because boy, oh boy, have I done some of that in the last couple of years. Yep. Same. And I, mm -hmm. I love what you just said there too, man, because to me, that's, that's one of the things I've always held strong to is that, you know, get in the room with somebody before you really think that, you know, them, you know, spend time in energetic space. And I think, um, around the time that we recorded this shortly thereafter, in the next couple of years, we went into the pandemic and then everything changed for everybody. I get that sense. And I think you see it too, that people are realizing, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot of story that can be told on a screen in 60 mm -hmm. seconds. But what is, mm -hmm. what is the story of someone else's life outside of those 60 seconds? What are the other yeah. hundreds of thousands of seconds in the day accounting for, for those individuals? And come, that just brings me back to that word practice. You mentioned Art of Leadership Mastery that we took with Scott Cody. That's where we met eight years ago. It was all about practice. It was all about, hey, mm -hmm. you can't account for experience. You can't make up reps in the gym that you mm -hmm. didn't put in by watching somebody else do it or by listening to somebody else talk about the reps they're putting in. It's about taking the time to put that in. And I still see people who don't get that. They, they don't, they don't mm. understand that they have to really put in the work, the spirit of mm. hacking their way through life and trying to find the shortcut or the simple way, you know, compressing the timeline and, and just getting everything faster sooner doesn't work when it comes down to embodiment and the things that count. Mm -mm. It's it's a short term bandaid, uh, and and you're right. That's this fast paced, low touch society that we've been living in has produced a bunch of people who are just racing from scarcity, trying to get to the top. And you know you can kind of bring anything in, but the question is, is can you hold it? Can you sustain it? Right? Yeah, I've had the gift of being in. I've been in this space since 2005, 2006. I really stepped in. Here we are, 2023 going into 2024, I've seen thousands of people come and go. And I'm still here, right? still here. And I think the biggest difference or one of the biggest difference makers is I understood starting out that this is a marathon. Right? And so there was no such thing as Instagram. There was no such thing as an influencer. That word didn't even exist in 2006. Right? It wasn't even, none of this was a thing. And I was like, hey, I'm just, I just have to be here. I have to give these gifts. And it's okay if I'm not making money now, 
because I eventually will. If I just stick do, to, to this thing and keep doing this thing, there's no possible way I'm not going to find a career in this, right? And that's exactly what happened. And I didn't force any of it. People ask me all the time, they're like, how'd you get your book deal? I'm like, just being a really good human, right? Doing my work. Uh, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And um, I think it was Rumi that said, what you seek is seeking you. Oftentimes, um, what we desire the most wants to be expressed through us. But the question is, is, are we a willing channel? And I tell my students all the time, the fruit doesn't belong to the tree. It belongs to the ecosystem. Right? Many of you are hoarding and holding those fruits, trying to get it right, trying to get it perfect. Meanwhile, there's people like me who are like, hey, yes, spirit, use me today. Not when it's perfectly edited and everything is all perfect and it looks so good and it's all so shiny. No, use me today. Use me right now. Who can I serve right now? No matter what it looks like, because that's the thing, going back to this shiny Instagram world, we think that it's about edits and tricks and that kind of thing. Oftentimes, it's more about the demonstration than it is about the information. And I think that's one of the things, one of the places where you win and will continue to is because you just walk your talk. It doesn't have to be all flashy. It doesn't have to be look like Prince EA or so-and-so. You just keep walking your talk. And there's something that just feels different when you're in the presence of a man like that. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know that guy's not perfect, but that's a dude. I can, I can sense something different. That's not top layer, shiny shit, even though it's shiny because, you know, everybody's got charisma and it's different. And I think that any, any man out there that's really wanting to manifest and really call in a bigger life should slash gets to pay attention to that part. What is the demonstration daily? That's the thing, man. You know, uh, you've, we've known each other for eight years now and very closely, you know, we've seen each other go through this journey of manhood and trying to figure out how to provide for our families and grow and also make an impact in the world. And that's a lot to take on for, for any human being. And mm -hmm. it, it, it cracked open for me last year. I remember even sharing this with you soon after I got to Austin is I realized that it can be so much more simple than I've been making it. I've been making mm -hmm. it about all these other ways to help people yep. see and understand who I am when really all along, the, the only thing that's really mattered is me being the man that I know I am and just showing up yes. for that everywhere in my life, every single day where I don't have to change costumes to go from one place to another. I'm just me. I've got the same five t-shirts that I wear every day. And you know this because you bust my chops for it. I just get to be yes. me. And it's it makes my life so simple. I show up that way as best I can in my relationship with my children, with my friends, mm -hmm. with the men that I'm mentoring, everywhere that I go. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been doing that. I didn't realize that I could just lean on that until sometime last year than just this past year. And sure, there's still many more things that personally I want to achieve and accomplish, but just to mm -hmm. be able to let that be the reference point, the, if I do one thing every day, just, just be that guy, just keep being that guy mm -hmm. for another day, then everything else falls into place. And, and that's why I think the staying power comes in. You talked about longevity. Just yes. focusing on that every day becomes the simple practice. And that's something everybody can do. I don't care how much money you have, how educated you are, where you live, what your circumstances. Today, any anyone can choose to be the best version of themselves and just practice that day in and day out.
period. Yes. No, man, I agree so much. And and just going back to it, right, because I've been holding space for quite a few um, male clients and different programs, and a lot of them are struggling with porn, right? And not that we don't even need to go fully into the subject, but I think there's a big opportunity to, because a lot of people come in and they, they think that growing their business or growing their relationships is about this external stuff. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what I point to them is like, yeah, you do have business problems, but more than that, you have personal problems that are bleeding into your business. And the personal problems, not that porn is wrong or bad, but if you think it's wrong or bad, and then you're doing it, then you're creating this sort of vibrational loop that's being recycled through your consciousness and it's affecting everything. And so you know, when it's all said and done, what you're doing behind the scenes and what you're watching and what you're taking in. And that's having an effect on when one speaks, right? And again, not to take myself or put myself on a pedestal because I have done many things even in the last eight years, two in particular that I'm extremely not proud of. But what I am proud of is that I took ownership of both of those things with everybody involved. And I'll be able to look at my kids and myself every day and say, oh yeah, you fell. You fell, right? You fucked up. And everybody does. The difference is how do you get back up? How do you repair that? How do you hold yourself? How do you hold yourself? How do you hold everybody else involved? Right? And it's been such a game changer to see and be battle tested and not hold the guilt and not hold the shame that I was previously. And you know whether it's porn or drugs or food or shopping or social media, everybody's got something that's behind the scenes that they're still moving through. And I challenge you again, this is why men's work and having spaces and mirrors and places to go is so big. Because if you keep it to yourself, you cannot heal it if it's hidden. It must be revealed. It must be given to someone else to hold with you. Every program I do, I start with this line. It's not the load that breaks us down, but the way we carry it. That's T.S. Eliot. It's not the load that breaks us down, but the way we carry it. The question is, is how are you carrying the load? Are you carrying it by yourself? Are you trying to hold everything? Because if you are, eventually you're going to break and everything you've been holding will break with you. So the game is to hand it over. The game is to say, hey, Is there a fire circle? Is there uh, an inferno? Is there something I can get in? Whether it's three months, six months, a year, right? I've been in a uh, mastermind with John Wyland and uh, Brian Reeves and Joshua Warner and Adrian Grenet and Stefano Sefandos and this whole crew of men for three years straight. We talk every single day for three years. That's a high level version of accountability. I've already talked to them today. And it's still morning time, right? That is one of the, another big difference maker. And I think we just keep circling back to these same kind of themes, right? 
What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a father? Willing to do the work. Okay, well, how do I do the work? Not alone. I'll tell you that much, right? You do the work in spaces and in places. So Yeah. Well, I think there's one thing we haven't really touched on yet. I want to zero in on what you just shared about uh, this, this idea of building trust. You know, I think you and I are both on the same page that trust is the foundation of any relationship, whether it's an intimate relationship, a partnership, something. Um, it's all the same. And uh, it's there's two there's two pathways to trust, I believe. You know, there's the easy one that looks like doing what I said I was going to do, showing up the way somebody expected me to and the way that I promised that I would, that builds trust mm-hmm. and puts resources in that trust account. Then there's the other way. When I, when I fail on that, when I go against what I said I would do, when I break a promise, when I break a commitment, and understanding there's still an opportunity to build trust by the way I respond in moments of failure. And because of this shame culture we have, especially with men, I see it. I've been seeing it in my son since he was three years old. That's how I know how strong mm-hmm. this stuff is. And you know, consciously or unconsciously, Carrie and I are very aware of trying not to bestow shame on him. And yet he feels it so strongly instinctively. So getting out of that mindset and realizing, hey, the quickest way back to trust and sometimes even a a greater way to build trust than the easy path is to take ownership immediately, to take ownership and to step forward and to begin rebuilding that bridge that has broken. Because the game's never over unless I quit unless I give up. And I think that's still a really big hurdle. I see a lot of men struggling to jump over. Yep. Let me tell you something that happened yesterday, right? I'm not gonna give too many details because this is, you know, between me and my wife, but I did something yesterday, something stupid, something small that wasn't intentional that hurt her feelings. And she wrote me and she said it, she's like, I feel attacked. And two things happened. First thing was, I immediately felt myself turn into a nine-year-old, right? I could feel the little boy come forward and be like, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. X, Y, and Z, right? I had enough consciousness and enough, um, I've been doing enough of the work to be able to breathe into that, meet that little boy, that little version of me, calm him down, say, I got you. It's okay, right? Bring me, introduce and bring the adult Preston back in the room by breath, Moving my, moving my physiology, asking powerful questions. And then I responded, which is very different than reacting. I was about to react. I reacted instantly. And I wanted to defend. That nine-year-old little version of me wanted to defend. But I met him with love, compassion, powerful questions, breath, and physiology. Then I introduced the adult back in the room, and the adult asked the question, Where did she text you from? Was that her adult or was that her little girl? And no matter what, you did do something stupid, right? And even if you didn't, this is the person who you've been gifted to do life with. So are you going to drop her and defend? Are you going to ignore her? Or are you going to lean in and do what you said you were going to do when you married this woman? course i sent her a message i said that was not my intention i love you so much i'm so sorry can you talk and i called her and i let her talk and i let her say what was true for her and i said oh baby i'm so sorry i never meant to hurt you i love you so much i got your back actually i'm proud of you and i poured into her and we left that conversation smiling and laughing and i got her a coffee and came home 
I share that not to impress, but to impress upon that there's a level of maturity, right? If this same thing would have happened even four years ago, and I'm 43 years old, I would have fired back, right? But fortunately for me, the older I get, the more of the elder role I step into, the wiser I become and understanding that sometimes to truly win, it's not about either or. It's about meeting each other where we are and speaking to each other's listening in such a way that uplifts them. Remember, my job as a husband and as a father and as a conscious being is to protect my family. Now, what does that mean? To provide and protect. So how, what does pro providing mean? What does protecting mean? Right? It means in those moments too. Yeah, I got guns and I know how to fight and I got a bunch of money. Yes, to all of those. Check, check, check. And a bunch more, right? But it's also in the moments of despair. It's also in the moments when you don't want to that that gets tested. And it, it literally either cements and brings you closer or pulls you further apart. And all honesty, most of our marriage, I was pulling apart. I didn't know how to do it because my dad didn't know how to do it. And my mom didn't know how to do it. They ran and they blamed each other and they got divorces. You know what her mom and dad did? Same thing. So I had to learn myself through the hard way. Mm. And now that I'm navigating it, it is such a powerful understanding and tool. So I just wanted to share that because I think it, it may be helpful for somebody out there who's in relationship with anybody. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that and having the, the courage to say things like that out loud. I think there's a lot of people that that would be supremely edgy for. And the mm. what came to my mind was this, um, the word humility. And, uh, mm. you know, one of our one of our compass bros, Astro, yesterday on, on a call we were on, he shared a definition of humility I'd never heard before. He said, humility is having a high regard for others. And mm. it was so simple when he said it, it really struck me because it made me think about what that means, right? Because the I think the opposite of hum, hum, being humble or humility is having that ego that gets ramped up and out of control. But having that mm. high regard for others doesn't mean diminishing myself, just means really respecting and appreciating the people I'm around, recognizing that there's plenty of things that I'm missing, that there's always something for me, for me to learn from the people that I'm around. Mm. And I, there's yeah. something about it just clicked. And in that moment, the way you described that, I was like, yeah, that to me, that's what humility feels like to me is when I'm willing to hold others in high enough mm. regard to not only listen to the voice in my head. I can listen to that mm. voice and th that voice be checked by the people around me. Um, but mm. to, to really consider what others are saying, especially in moments that I'm triggered and want to go into that nine-year-old protection of myself to, to still hold others highly. That's talk about practice, right? That's, that's a life mm -hmm. discipline that, um, game changer, right? Like that's, that's real wealth is to be able to yep. be in that humble place and have access, real trust and depth of connection and relationship. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Um, so you just got back from an amazing experience. You came out, you fasted with us, spent eight days out in the wilderness, four of them by yourself without food. Uh, I've been, I've been in, inviting you to this for, for four years and you've been saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Why was now the time mm -hmm. for you? Oh man. 
Um, you know, I don't know. And that's, that's, that's a part of the wisdom as well. Cause I don't have to know. I just have to know the knower and the knower, which I call God. Some people call Buddha. Some people call Krishna. Some people call Allah, divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it. Me knowing the knower, there was an, uh, a moment inside of me where I knew I couldn't not be there. And they are, there are these uh, levels that get unlocked as you grow older, hopefully as a man. And one of them for me is really discerning and listening, right? Like what is happening here? Beyond what the first thought, ego mind, inner critic is saying, beyond what I can see with my visual eyes, what is happening? What is occurring? And uh, again, it was like the perfect storm. And I truly feel like this whole scenario was divinely guided. Uh, about 15 years ago, I had a mushroom ceremony uh, on the beach in Leo Carrillo in Malibu. And I ate a exorbitant amount, like more than most humans do. And I got blasted to the point where I could not move and I could not see my hand or anything else. It was like, I just disappeared. And I was clearly sitting in the sand, but I could not see myself, but I could see the waves and birds in front of me. And there was a moment where the wave went up like this and it stopped and the birds were flying and they stopped. Everything stopped and a voice came through and it said, we are here. We've always been here. We've always been guiding, guarding and protecting. And whether you step into this medicine space or not, we will always have you. You are here to do great things. You are here to support humanity. We are a we. And I was like, fuck. And then poof, it came out and the wave finished and the bird kept flying. So now fast forward to you moving to Austin, just all the things being set up. I could feel them, it, guiding. I could feel my father, his father, his father, and his father. And all the pain and all the suffering and all the running and the fear and the lack of guidance and the watching. I'm going all the way back to, you know, six, seven generations watching, you know, great, 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 great grandmothers being raped by slave owners and uh, just all of that just started coming back. And I, I recognized that a part of me, you know, showing up in this body that most people would call Afro amazing, right, um, is about healing forwards, backwards, up, down, left, right, right. When one of us takes the, takes the, uh, the talking stick, when one of us takes the flag and says, let's go, right? We, we do it for all of us. And uh, it was absolutely perfect. We can go into more conversation about what happened when I came, but you know, I think it's appropriate 
that we tell the viewers that you and I had a conversation about me bringing my gun uh, to the vision fast, which, you know, um, for me, the idea of going into the woods, into the forest in the south of America, which is famous for hanging black people by trees and murdering them. That, while my spirit wanted to go, my ego, my personality, and the trauma that I've experienced in this lifetime, and then the trauma that's running and was running through my blood from all of my ancestors said, don't go. We are threefold beings, body, mind, soul. My soul, yes. My mind, hell no. My body, fuck no. But the soul ultimately knows. And this goes back to, I don't have to know, I just have to know the knower. Can I discern? Can I hear which one is speaking? And the soul said, you're going. And the body said, oh, I don't know, man, I don't know. And the mind said, get a gun. And so I brought it to you and we had a conversation. And I just want to acknowledge you for not trying to just talk me out of it. Because in this lifetime, you will have a, you have a different experience than me, right? I thank you for being willing to see and be with, oh, these are circumstances that you didn't even have to think about, right? Now, fast forward, and we're going to really get into this. Fast forward to the first day we get in there. Within a couple hours, we hear gunshots. Right? That for me was like, you're dead. This is where you die. And it ended up being true. Just not true in the way that I thought it would be. Because a lot died in that forest. So I'll leave it there for now. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for sharing that part of your experience and um, for trusting me too. You know, I think just speaking about that openly, it was a really good opportunity for me to... Um, because I remember having a conversation, let's take it even further back, um, when George Floyd happened. You were one of the first people that I reached out to. Because I remember what my instinctual response was to this. There, the voice in my head, not really taking into full consideration a Black person's experience in America at that time. I was like, man, I, 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 I understand. And can we look past that and take take ownership of our, of our own lives, of our own experiences. And I remember having a conversation with you and, and you did the same thing for me. You didn't make me wrong. Mm -hmm. You didn't, that's why I went to you. I was like, Hey, listen, even if I am being completely ignorant, you'll tell me, but in a loving way, you held that kind of space for me to have my own pride. I remember by the end of that conversation, I was like, damn, yeah, I didn't even realize how much I've been navigating this life from a privileged perspective. And so fast forward mm -hmm. to here, right? Where it, it flipped. And I just had the opportunity to hold space for you in your process, in your experience, and to not try to coerce you or force you in any one direction and ultimately coming to the decision that you did. Um, and a lot of respect for you too, man, because even in, in spite of all that and the reasons that you had for wanting to bring protection for yourself and ultimately choosing not to, and then being out there, of course, the first day, people out there, you know, shooting off their guns because it was Easter weekend, having fun. Uh, but I, I could feel, I could just feel that there was that moving through you and to step forward into that anyway. Uh, just a lot of mm -hmm. respect for that, man. Cause that's, that's really what that, this process is all about. Everybody who comes out gets something different They get exactly what they need mm -hmm. and it never looks exactly the same. And I, I'm pretty sure you were the only man there 
having that exact experience at that time. 100%. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what were you surprised about in your experience? Mm. What, what surprised you about your time out there? Mm. Man, there were so many things. So many things. Um, you know, for years I had been saying slow, slow down to the speed of wisdom. And while I slightly understood what that meant, I was blown away by nature's speed and its efficiency and um, how simultaneously brutal and also um, giving adaptable, um, interdependent everything was. Everything was informing everything. Everything was touching everything. Everything was being used. Nothing went to waste in that forest. Everything was reaching towards the sun, reaching towards expression. And I was pleasantly surprised at how quickly once I actually fully entered the space, I think it was the second night I chose to sleep in a hammock without quote unquote, you know, protection in uh, a, a roof and inside of a tent. And that morning I woke up to, and that was the, one of the best mornings to like a thousand birds singing. And I, I tell you no lies, the giggle of my children, the sound of my wife's voice, period, the sound of the ocean and those birds top four ever, right? That morning was like the best alarm clock I've ever heard in my life. I felt so rejuvenated and so in tune and connected. And I was deeply um, moved by the synergy of nature and how I came in not wanting it to touch me. Right? I, I like observing it, but I didn't want to be a part of it. And within a few days, I, I got that I was a part of it. And the flinching and the like, don't touch me. And the fear, right? That first night on the fast where, you know, the lights went out and I'm by myself in the middle of a forest in the south, you know, in Texas. That first night when the coyotes, and it felt like it was 30 of them, when they started howling, because of the acoustics of those pine trees and it felt like they were right next to me and i could feel it in my body it was it was visceral it was like oh this is so primal like i am fully in the primal man and um not dying not being killed you know in my mind if i'm out there by myself they're just coming to eat me and then really sitting with like oh Everything is nature looking back at itself, including me. And so I took the same walk, the same path every day. There was a spider I named Leroy, and he never jumped on me. He never tried to bite me. He'd just move out of the way just a little bit every time, make sure I didn't knock his branch off. And then I'd sit next to him, and he'd come right back, and he'd be like, you know, what up, P? I'm like, Leroy. 
And we just kicked it and watched and listened and took it all in, man. There was so many things, bro. I could go on for days about that. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that, man. I mean, witnessing you see yourself as a part of nature and come back, you know, having your bare feet out. And uh, that was just wonderful, mm -hmm. man. It was really beautiful to see. And, mm -hmm. you know, last thing I'll ask you before we wrap it up here is um, what was the impact on that whole experience for you as a father and mm -hmm. having taken a step in a direction that your father wasn't able to demonstrate for you and probably his father too. What does that mean for you having three boys and a daughter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So I grew up in LA. I grew up in the city and my dad, one of the things he shared with me was National Geographic. So we would, we would sit up every day almost and watch National Geographic. And, you know, um, I think it was 20, 2008, I was able to go to Costa Rica and then to Panama and start to experience some of the things him and I used to watch on TV. But still, it was separate, right? I'd surf and still felt separate. My dad never taught me how to tie a knot or like amp or put up a tent or anything like that. And I love nature and I wanted to be able to give that back to my kids. I wanted to be able to, one, prove to myself that I can do really tough things because there's no faking that, right? A lot, there's a whole movement of like, oh, I, I do ice baths, so I'm really tough, right? And I'm like, yeah, you are. You're tough, right? It's cool. But can you sit in the wilderness by yourself and have your mind eat your mind? Can you allow yourself to be taken, right? On the third day, it was psychedelic for me. I could not move. I was butt naked in the forest for hours, just being taken on journeys. I get why they call it a vision quest because I got hit with clear visions. And so one, I wanted to break through the own, my own barriers and the things that my dad didn't teach me and never did. And the things that his dad didn't teach him and never did. And more than likely all the way down back to at some point, somebody was broken by some slave master and they cowered to survive. And I feel like the baton was passed to me to fully break that and move into thriving, right? They did what they had to do. I'm not sh shaming my great, great, great grandfather, nor my dad or his dad. They did what they had to do. They did the best they could. But this baton that was passed to me is the breaking of that cycle and the final moment where we move from surviving to thriving. And me doing that, putting myself through a rites of passage by being held by you and the amazing team that you put together and the, and the nature that's always holding us. That was for me, my kids and their kids and their kids, because now I can pass that down. Right? That was for me to know that I can do hard things and I can do them with my heart open and actually learn. I recognized while I was out there, I can survive this or I can really enjoy and ride this wave. And I chose the latter. I chose to enjoy it, to really, really take it in. When the trees danced in the wind, so did I. When the ants marched, so did I. When the birds chirped, so did I. 
And I feel like changed. I feel transformed. We were at a concert last night and, you know, like one in the morning, I get a message from our friend Joshua and he was like, bro, I, I just got to tell you, there's something different about how you're showing up. There's just something so, I already, we, we all knew that you have the fierce and the fire thing. But there's something so soft and grounded that is beautiful. And I just want to let you know. And I just thought that was a really beautiful message. And I feel that. I feel it with my wife. I feel it with my kids. I just feel different, man. Um, and so I'm really grateful. Thank you to you. And I want to have one last message to the men that are listening. I get nothing from this. There's no kickback. There's no nothing. I highly suggest if there's a part of you that feels called to do this work for you to do it soon. I'm not asking you to rush. I am asking you to move swiftly. If you feel called, do it soon. There's, there's power and magic. And, you know, Jetty is extremely humble and, and doing his thing. And he doesn't have millions and millions of dollars and he's not, he doesn't have millions and millions of followers either. But this dude and the team that he has assembled is the realest dealist in the game because they're playing with a full deck. And so I challenge you to be held, to be seen and to lean in and step into this space, not just for yourself, but for your dad, his dad and his dad and for your future children, your future wife, for whoever it is that will ever come in contact with you. I challenge you, man to man, peer to peer, heart to heart, brother to brother, for you to lean in and really, really get what's out there for you. Wow. Thank you, P. Um, thank you for sharing that message and such an honor, truly, really an honor to uh, witness you out there and to see you go out and have your experience and to bring that back for your kids. I think the most most meaningful part for me was uh, knowing that you'll bring that home to your mm -hmm. children and that they'll get to have that. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you, man, and happy for you that you did that work for your family and grateful for everything that you said. Um, Tell everybody who, if they don't know you by now, I don't know where the hell they've been living, but tell them, tell them where they can go and find you and hear more about what you got to say. Absolutely, man. If you're on anything, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all the things, just at Preston Smiles, you'll find me. Um, but the main place I swim is Preston Smiles. Um, uh, the main place I swim is on Instagram, YouTube, and I have a podcast called The Preston Smiles Show. So, loving you guys. Awesome, brother. Well, let's not let five years go by till we do this again next time. But this is wonderful, man. Great to hear your wisdom and uh, good to punch you in the face every Friday. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll, keep that, keep we'll keep that going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Much love, brother. All right, y'all. For all you guys out there who want to get your fast, your rite of passage compass experience in before the end of the year, make sure you go to risingman.org slash compass to apply and jump on a call with us today. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us and give a subscribe on our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Please keep showing us that love everywhere that you do, really helping to carry this movement and make it our own. Yes, it is time for every one of us, every you, I'm talking to you, to take ownership, to take responsibility for this rising man movement. We all must carry it together if we all want it to grow. So thank you for those of you who are already doing that. And for those of you who want to step up and lean in more, please do. Until next time, rise up and 
claim your destiny.